2: The time has
1: come!
3: Saturday night's all right for fighting. The right oh. him down! Get in the ring and go the distance with Fight Night with Gareth A. Davies.
1: You're better than
3: that! On Talk Sport.
1: It was the next best one. We looked at all avenues. you have got got Fury, Busy, Wilder, Busy, Ortiz. Um, He had his issues, so he didn't step up to the challenge. Um, The other guys weren't as good as Ruiz. Ruiz was keen. Finally got his name on the signature, and the show must go on. It was
4: 1883
3: when John L. Sullivan rocked the early MSG. We've seen the greatest heavyweights defend their prize world possessions in this mecca of boxing. Jack Dempsey, Joe Lewis, Joe Frazier, Larry Holmes, Lennox Lewis, Vladimir Klitschko, so many, and of course, Muhammad Ali. What a stage, what a setting for AJ's
1: US launch pad. Right hand from Lewis, here it
2: comes again, and Joshua, top team, and
1: I feel good, it's a little blip, a mistake I made and um, I would say that I'm just going to add to what we already have, correct my wrongs and look forward to the rematch because I feel it's a fight I can win.
5: Good evening, you're listening to Fight Night on TalkSport. I'm Gareth Davis. We've got a packed show coming up tonight, including legendary promoter Frank Warren, as I join him at his Queensbury Promotions headquarters. Plus, Anthony Yard and Josh Warrington will all be on the show. But now, Anthony Joshua has had his rematch with Andy Ruiz Jr. announced, and it's taking place, I confirm, in Saudi Arabia The Middle East in Riyadh on December the 7th, of course, for the WBO, IBF and WBA World Heavyweight title belts. I caught up with him with my old pal Cheeky Sport Dave from William Hill and for William Hill as the former heavyweight champion told us why this is such an important fight. In his career,
2: David Alorca, Gareth A. Davis, back with the main man, our very own Mr. Anthony <laughs> Joshua. To, <laughs> I, like, I, I like that. I like that. It's good to see you back mm-hmm. in. We're in top spirits here yeah. in London at BXR. Yes, sir. Um, how's things been? How have you what have you been up to? Don't
1: want to go into too much, but I just feel like um, I'm at a stage in my career, not life, but like my career, where. Well, life, I'm trying to perfect so my career becomes easier. Mm-hmm. But everything is evolved around career path, right? So you go out late, it affects your job. Um, you have a bad day at work, it affects whether you go out on the weekend. So I'm just trying to balance everything I'm doing and just relight that ball of energy where everything I do is not only with um, vision, but with purpose. I know I'm not talking in in rhymes right, in in and, and, yeah. and parables, but it has meaning to me. Mm-hmm. So the ball of energy for me is just living life with meaning again and not just going through the motion. like, Josh, do that. Yes, Josh, do that. What's the meaning? What's it going to affect? And what's the long-term effect or positive reaction that this decision today has on my boxing? Absolutely.
5: Well, you must be delighted that you've got your fight announced. You know it's in December. You know who the opponent is. And you know what you want to do because it's the result of what's gone before.
1: Well, the thing is, it's interesting that you say that because normally we're talking about Okay, so once you get through this opponent, are you ready for that one? But we're not even talking about it. We're saying we've got the date, we've got the venue, we've got the opponent, and we're happy. Do you know what I mean? And this is the focus that I need. Mm. So everything that I speak about, everything that I do has to be forward thinking to the next project. I know it's good to be a visionary, but the purpose is the next project at the minute. And that's what I mean, Is really yeah. lighting that ball for what's
5: next and being 100% ready for it. What about the feel about you in between your last fight and this one is goes back to that Muhammad Ali quote, if you don't take risks, you don't achieve the impossible. If you don't take risks, you don't grow as a human being. And what I'd love to hear coming out of you yeah. is that it's not about being fit anymore, it's about developing my boxing skills.
1: 100%, 100% and you know what's weird is that those type of quotes, right, you see them all around the place. But when you're on a high, like, that, don't, that don't, don't uh, mean nothing to me. Mm. I'm invincible, okay? And then sometimes when you have your own personal issues or public issues, you start relating to those quotes and exactly that is like, if you want to win every battle, don't step into the ring. If you want to have brilliant days every day, don't go into challenges, don't set goals. You know, that's just life. So you have to set these type of goals if you want to face challenges and hurdles, which are fine, but it's just about getting over them. Some maybe. Difficult. Some may be tougher than others, but if you set the goals, be prepared to stumble now and again. And I had a little stumbling block recently, and in ten years it will have more meaning. Mm-hmm. But right now I have purpose of my fight with Ruiz. Absolutely. Now I'm a subscriber to your
2: YouTube channel. You know what I'm saying? Shout, shout out your YouTube channel. Thank you know what so I mean? I loved how in depth you went um, post fight okay. about mm. about going into that fight. Um, and I guess the question now is with the way in which Ruiz has been out here talking smacking has that. Has that made you, has that turned, is that, has it brought back the beast? Is, is, the, is, is the beast now ready? I'm not going to say that, that's the reason no, why, no, no. Like, When I'm in that ring, yeah, we're, yeah, we're in a lion's den, you no know doubt. what I mean?
1: And I'm never looking for excuses, but it's interesting that you say that because, you know, I didn't meet Ruiz until the press conference, mm-hmm. or the week of the fight because Miller pulled out and he was the best replacement. So, um, yeah, there wasn't that real fire. But honestly, to say that, to say this, is the smack talk is only gonna make him, he's only digging his own grave because it's a different kind of thing now. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I took my L and I handed it like a man, but I'm gonna show people the art of bouncing back.
2: Straight up and I'm down. I'm gonna show
1: people the art of bouncing back. And that's what this fight is to me. And I'm just speaking about me to the public. So whether they believe it or not, you can run with it and take it how you please. But for me, what it means is the art of bouncing back.
5: I love it. Yeah. It's about yeah. yeah. time, Tab.
1: <laughs> no. You didn't even see that in the ring. In the ring before you saw me yeah, like this. exactly. you
5: want to see, you know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. Back, an, an, an edge. An edge. We didn't see an edge from you. You wouldn't let him hold the belts again, would you? No, In no, fight week. No, 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 no. You were too nice. I don't want to say that to you because yeah. we know what you're like. But that's, that's, yeah, yeah, that's who I am. I'm, yeah. like, I'm a good person. Yeah, yeah. no. George, saying, when George Foreman, time. Anthony. George Foreman spoke to me two days after your yeah. fight and he said, I wish I could have done that to fighters I fought against. When I lost to Muhammad Ali, I wish I could have been the the sporting gentleman that Anthony Joshua Mm -hmm. showed himself to be. Mm -hmm. He said, I became a bigger fan of him for that moment as well. You did take it incredibly well. well. Some people take it well. but you the, were punching the, the heavy bag short. on the Monday, going, I'm not going to let that happen again. <laughs> do you see what I'm saying? No, so yeah. the number short of it is, you and know?
1: especially with the talk and stuff yeah. like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's just got to, I've got to resurrect myself and my spirit and re myself. And that's what you're talking about, that ball of energy. Mm. is. I can't let it get dimmed to the point where I'm just like, I can't even be bothered. It's too much energy. I know what I need to do. I've got to trust in my own instincts and I'm going for the second time to become heavyweight champion of the world.
2: Well, you know we're behind you 100% and thank all you the way. So much, yeah, yeah thank Always, you. always. You know, asking
1: for any predictions <laughs> this nah, time. Nah, Just nah, nah, nah. You know what was weird done. on a prediction basis? <laughs> we was talking about yeah. it, right? Is that we was talking before, and we were saying, what round do I think? And I rubbed my William Hill logo, and I was like, mm-hmm. And well, I said, round seven.
5: Yeah. So yeah. even though it
1: doesn't go in my way that time, you still it's still got it. weird, isn't it? The oracle still. The oracle still The still lingers. It still lingers. It still lingers. But we're going to re-enlighten it. Woo! <laughs> bring it back to life. Let him know. And you know why? Because <laughs> I'm going to be two-time. Two-time.
5: We'll <laughs> two-time we'll we'll unified. we get the nearer the fight. Yeah, most yeah. definitely, brother. Yeah. A pleasure as always. Thanks thank a lot, bro. For thank you very much. Cheers. Sweet. Well, I think it's a fascinating announcement. There will be a backlash and there has been something of a backlash over the fact that Joshua Hearn, Dazone, Skybox Office have all chosen to take this rematch um, in Riyadh, in Saudi Arabia, on December the 7th. Amnesty International made comments last night. They were urging Anthony Joshua to think again about fighting in a country which has an appalling civil rights record. There were all kinds of comments flying around last night, accusations that the country is trying to sports-wash its uh, civil rights uh, record. It's a very interesting story, this. So much on the line as well for Anthony Joshua in this fight. A lot of fans will be unhappy that they can't be amongst the eighty or 90,000 that have been at his last four fights uh, in the UK in Cardiff and at Wembley Stadium. And uh, there will be a lot of accusations that he's taking the big bucks, the big payday, in a big gamble against Andy Ruiz. And that's the big thing here. It's a big risky fight but my thanks to uh, William Hill and Cheeky Sport Dave, my William Hill uh, ambassadorial partner for allowing us to have that insight from Anthony Joshua ahead of time. Next up Hall of Fame boxing promoter Frank Warren is joining me for the entire next hour after I caught up with him at Queensbury Promotions HQ earlier on this week. Trust me, you don't want to miss this.
6: Still Snoop Dogg and D-R-A, D-R-A, D-R-A Guess who's back Steve Still doing that s*** sh- Andre Oh for sure Yeah Check me out It's still Dre day huh? A.K.A. Huh? I've grown a lot, can't keep it home a lot
5: you're listening to fight night on talk sport with me Gareth today. it was a very special show this week uh, Frank Warren has joined me uh, for the show and I've joined him in his quite brilliant office replete with boxing memorabilia shiny little silver cars that I'm gonna ask him about um, tomes on fighting in the 18th century from old newspapers. Um, I almost, I'm just so distracted by the fact that um, there's all this memorabilia around us, Frank. Goat sitting on your shoulder. Obviously, that's about Muhammad Ali. Um, it's great to be here, first of all. Thank you for having having us to your office.
3: Well, it's Queensbury, Hop- Queensbury offices. There's all my boys and my kids stuff, all of this. So it's pleasure to be here. You know, this is where I hang out. Um, Not as much as I used to now, I'll leave it to them. But uh, when I'm in here, this is where I sit and think about boxing, what we're going to do.
5: We're going to talk about your life tonight in boxing. Um, Thankfully, I've got you captive for an entire hour. Um, I'm going to broach this subject with you. Um, You were very um, vocal and very transparent on your views about what happened... Uh, a couple of weeks ago with the Dillian White-Oscar Evers fight, uh, the Dillian White adverse finding, the hearing on the day of the fight with the UK anti-doping panel, um, and the lack of transparency and how it reflected on UCAD, on the British Boxing Board of Control, how British boxing looked abroad. Maybe I should ask you, first of all, put you in the chair and say if you'd been in that situation, how hard would it have been to deal with, first of all, if one of your guys had been in that situation? Would you have had to have transparency with the other side, do you think, first of all?
3: Well, I had it with, with um, Billy Joe Saunders. He was tested positive and, if you remember, um, Eddie Hearn went on record screaming the place down saying, uh, he shouldn't be allowed to box. Boxers should know what's going on, etc. So that happened. Um, recently, only only a few months ago, I had a, a young boxer. He wasn't a drug thing, but he he uh, was feeling faint at a weigh-in. Ryan mm. Garner mm. and his manager and the fighter and a trainer wanted it. The manager, the trainer, wanted him to fight, and I wouldn't allow him to fight. Paul Butler was using a sauna, which is banned by banned in uh, for weight but, cutting. For weight cutting, I pulled him out to fight. It's a matter of record. Uh, many. Years ago, Danny Williams. I had just signed a new deal with ITV. Amir Khan was making his debut in a four-round fight. And the main event was the British title fight featuring Danny Williams. And Danny Williams uh, weighed in. I spoke to his trainer at the time, Jim McDonald. said, everything good, guys? Yeah, he's trained well. He's fighting well. You're good, Dan? Yeah, great. Uh, Friday night, we're having a bite to eat. He was tested by the box. He was examined by the Boxing Board of Control Doctor. Passed him fit the box. I got a phone call from his wife. And she said to me, uh, Danny's not well. He wasn't well. He shouldn't be in the ring. I remember I went, that what? night I was covering it. I yeah. said, what? She said, he shouldn't be in the ring. And I said to him, I, I, anyway, she told me the story. I rang Jimmy. I said, Jim, is, is he okay? Yeah, yeah, he's good. Jimmy McDonald, Jim, yeah. Done. And I said to him, is he okay? she went, yeah, 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 he's fine. And I asked him, I said, well, I've just had his wife on. She's telling me something different. What, what's going on? Oh, he wasn't well. Anyway, I said, we need to speak to Danny. I spoke to Danny. And after speaking to him, I pulled him out of the fight. Now, that was important for us that night, you know, from a business point of view. It was important because it was on ITV. It was our first show back. It was needed because Amir Khan's making a debut. You think, you know, debut fight.
5: Was it Mario Kinderland? Yeah. was it?
3: Yeah. No, no, it's a professional fight. It was his first was pro first fight, pro yeah. Fight. yeah. You know he's probably his first fight. He's probably going to stop somebody in a few rounds. Yeah. So this was very important. Mm. And uh, anyway, I wouldn't let him fight because I knew that if, God forbid, anything went wrong, how'd you recover in it? The fella's wife suddenly shouldn't be in the ring. That was it. Stops, pulled him out. And I can name quite a few occasions, things like that. And what what I find about this thing is that you're looking at it and you've got promotional rivalry, you know, Ed Hearns, matrum Schrammer say Warren's a this and I'll say they're that. But this is not about professional rivalry. This is about a sport that we, have, that I've grown up in and been doing for a long time. I've got a passion for and I care for. And, I'm disappointed in what happened a few weeks ago. I'm disappointed because everyone knew what was going Everyone knew what was going or you know, internally knew what was going on. The Boxing Board of Control knew what was going on because of this adverse finding that UCAD had written after taking a test to Dillian White saying that he was going to be suspended pending his B test, etc., etc. UCAD were aware of it. Boxing Board of Control was aware of it. The lawyers were aware of it. Matram were aware of it. Eddie Hearn was aware of it. All of them, you know, all these guys, none of them are, none of them are, are poor. They've all got money. Dillian White's made a lot of money in boxing. Border Control, you know, they're quite in a good position at the moment after the problems they had with Michael Watson. Uh, the lawyers making plenty of money as they always do. Lawyers, lawyers do. You can do okay for themselves and so forth. So yeah, let's get on with this. But the one guy who's in the ring, who's risking his life, who's getting it. Facing up to Dillian White, who's risking his life, he's unaware of it. What is going on? Where is the moral responsibility? Where is the, where is your, um, your duty of care to that boxer? Because remember, when he fought Revis, well, on that night he was a British license holder. You have to take a license out to be a British license holder. Where was, where was any care of duty for him? Why, why did, why weren't they looking after his best interests? Why didn't they say to him, listen? He had a barter test which he's passed, but he's had a UK test that he's passed, and we we're waiting for the B sample. Why didn't they explain that to him? And he could have made a choice if he wanted to fight, or not. May not wanted to fight. Who knows what may? He may not been had any. Be insured to fight. There's lots of various things that could have gone wrong here. It was him. Why didn't they test the B sample? Most importantly, why has the B bee sample been tested since? What is the outcome of that? You know, this is this. This should be. Out there, like it's been out there forever. It's like it was out there for Saunders, Billy Joe Saunders, with his problems that he had. Why weren't worse than any of these things done? So don't tell me when somebody's saying a promoter saying, "Oh, we only had thirty-six hours, or we only had forty hours, forty-eight hours." Joe Mullinder, a boxer who had a positive test, we got his B sample tested and done within, I think it was uh, thirty-six hours. We pay 400 quid. There's millions at stake here, but more importantly, forget all the money, there's somebody who's putting their life on the line in Reavers getting in the ring. And he was not given given, any, any knowledge of this. And then you get, you mustn't be saying anything of this because of Dillian White, um, his privacy. Well, just hold on a minute. He himself sus- was suspended. His license taken away for a couple of years for testing positive. So... What is going on here? Why wasn't that sample tested? That would have been the answer to everything, wouldn't it? If you're not going to explain it to Riz, at least have done that.
5: Having read the, read the rules of UCAD at the time myself, um, they give a very strong argument to the, def, to the boxer to defend himself with the B sample, don't they? Because it's down to him to agree a time to have a hearing after the B sample, isn't it?
3: That's exactly right. That's a different
5: issue. That's, that's for Dillian White to prove that he's cleaned the box. Mm.
3: Reavers is a total different scenario. So what you're saying is that the
5: B-test could have been tested before the fight went ahead. What I'm saying is there's
3: various... There's all different things going on here. There's the complete mess that UCAD have made of this, in my opinion. You know, they, they made a mess with Tyson and Huey Fury. It took how many... Was it nearly... Eighteen months, two years to get that result.
5: Well, it was the February of 2015. Yeah, we yeah. went there in November 2015. He won the titles from Klitschko, yeah. and it didn't surface till the next March. So, and he'd been uh, tested uh, 16 uh, times yeah, in and that period. After, as well.
3: after he sat down, according with to Peter Fury, so, so, and sat down with you, Ken, who'd explained to us. So that's a disaster. That was a disaster, and they've not improved on it at all as mm. far as boxing. But it's, the difference tonight, there is, there is, the welfare of Revers. There is. The situation where Dillian White proving that he's clean to box, not the legal situation, is his, bean, is his B sample different from the A sample? That's a simple question. You think
5: we should know about that already?
3: We should We should have known before the fight. They could have done it for the 400... It cost £4,000.
5: Whatever the cost was to have done it, but they didn't But it's it. their legal right to extend it, you see. That's well, the thing. Well, it may be their They're legal right. Under but the rules. Uh, and maybe uh, the, well, the rules with so, UCAD so, aren't Sorry,
3: sorry. So if that's their legal right, and you're saying... you're Well, saying, that's what they've exercised, Okay, let me it? make my point. So you're saying that's the legal right. Isn't the answer, isn't then... What is Reaver's legal right? Rebus, what was his legal? Well,
5: rights? he does not appear to have had one. I'm
3: going to tell you what he's going to do. He's going to. I'm quite sure he's going to start suing somebody.
5: I do agree with you. that There should be transpa- that, should that, have been transparency. and that, that's it, what we're all upset that, about as observers. And on the sport. border
3: control yeah. are, are abdicating their responsibility. Oh, we hmm. need a governing body. We have a governing body. UCAD shouldn't be determining whether somebody should be suspended or not they should be doing like Varda do they should be saying these Here's are the, the test samples, you make the decisions this is and then give yeah. it to the governing body who we pay sanctions fees for to, to run this sport in this country mm. correctly and then you make the decisions they have a regulation 9.8 in the, in the, in the British Boxing Border Control um, rules and regulations mm-hmm. says that any contest that's not in the interest of the boxing they can stop it so now we're in this situation now where Who's policing the boxing border control? Who's policing UCAD? And what we should be doing here is getting the sports minister, the sports minister should be calling for an inquiry and everybody should be brought to account on this because this is our sport. This is a sport that we all kept we Care about, and I know, there, and I know there are people at the boxing board in control who didn't want that fight to happen, and I know there are people who in the boxing I've board heard the same that there do, are people very unhappy with about.
5: the panels' findings yeah, okay, but, at UK. But no, you the, know what? The UCAD but panel. you know
3: what? They should have stood up and be counted. There's no excuse. They should have stood up, and be, be counted. They should mm. have stood up and said to Revis, "Listen, this is what's happening. It's your choice. It's your life. You're the guy getting through the ropes. You're the guy taking the punches. This is what the scenario is. Do you want to fight or not?"
5: At least give him that opportunity and they did do didn't do that. I will say, I I mean, it's a very strong argument. It's a, it's one that I agree with. I think you're ethically completely right. Um and what it does, it says no one fight however much money it can make is more important than someone's life stepping into that ring and that's why the regulations now need to be changed it can't be. the regulations must be changed for it's not
3: regulation no but it is it's re- in the regulations no it's, oh i see you're saying that, that regulation, regulation that, you, that regulation covers anything to the, to but the, the board are claiming
5: system. that their hands are tied by the by the, uh, the testing of a sample the,
3: the board are claiming nothing they've not made a public statement at all well, they, heard, no, they were said where, they will follow the rules. Let of me the, ask you a quick, Have you seen a public statement from the Board of Control? We got
5: a public statement saying lo- what? Uh, on the Thursday saying the Boxing Board of Control um, follow the regulations of the testing of UCAD. They just passed it on to UCAD. But that, that, that came out on the Thursday. After and what has come, UCAD said about it? Well, I had one independent chat with... Now, what's um, their
3: official statement?
5: That there was no official statement. Because it's all under the, the carpet. Cause, cause, cause they, they will not, hope this will go they will not talk about the specific case, let, let, but all they will do is talk about the, the way it plays out. And they, they told me that their, their 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 head of communications told me um, that this could genuinely take a year to play out. Why? I don't know, but that's that's their. How well, long does it take
3: to test a B sample?
5: Yeah, I mean, I think you're right. I think maybe there should example, be questions. It's either positive or it's negative. For me, what's become clear in the last two, three years is that UKAD do not have the resources and the 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 wherewithal to genuinely make decisions. Um, what well, a pointless and, then. Well, I th- I think they might might be decent testers, but but I think it's time as well to make the board answerable. Mm-hmm. To this.
3: Varda, Varda test. Right, the board don't recognize Varda. We, a lot mm-hmm. of us use Varda. Mm. And, and by the way, they didn't even tell the WBC
5: about this. The WBF suspended. They have suspended Dillian until yeah, the otherwise. Yeah. They didn't
3: even tell the, the, whose title it was. And, and they've been uh, members of the WBC mm. from the formation.
5: So WBC. a lot of promotional mistakes here, you're saying as well. Yeah?
3: I mean, this, this point I make. All you need UCAD to do is test nothing else. Don't, we don't need it to be the court because the, the, their track record at the moment is crap. You couldn't trust them. You can't trust them. So you need, just do the testing and the board of control, get off their asses and do what they're supposed to do. It's called board of control. Control the sport. Police the sport. Do it properly. That's what they need to do. And if they can't do it, then leave and let's get another group of stewards in to do it and I don't want to hear oh they do it for nothing you know they, it's their time and they, do you know what it's not good enough then pay somebody there's enough money floating around in this sport then pay to get someone in it. pay for a proper administrator who's going to stand up and be accountable for what this terrible situation that took place
5: well that's the voice of Frank Warren who's joined me this week for the first hour of fight night we're going to change tack and just change pace and Let Frank cool down a little bit in the break. We've only got two minutes left. We've only got two minutes left. You've been listening to Frank there talking about the current situation with UCAD, the boxing board, and obviously the case at the moment with Dillian White and the Oscar Rivas fight a couple of weeks ago. We'll be back after this. You're listening to Fight Night on Talk Sports, I uh, have the pleasure of the company of Frank Warren today, I'm in his superb, pugilified office. Um, I want to talk about your, um, it, it, obviously it is, into, you're into your fifth decade in the sports, yeah. you know, you've been around it all your life. You grew up in Islington, Yeah. this isn't This Is Your Life by the way, Eamon Andrews this isn't is about to, this is your wife, yeah. Um, you were the son of a bookmaker, and you trained as a solicitor's clerk with J. Tickle & Co. on yeah. Southampton Row I didn't in tra- London. I didn't train for long. No, you I didn't train for long. What happened there, then? Tell us the story oh, of that. Yeah,
3: I, 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 couldn't, I couldn't take to office life. Um, my dad made me, made me do it, and I didn't want to do it. I went to local grammar school, and I left very young. What were your best subjects? I was good at art. I was good at history. I was good at geography. I was good at... Yeah, quite good. I... I, I until I got, terrible thing to say. Until I got filled up. I used to be finishing in the sort of top two or three in my class, and then I just, uh, I, I, just I don't know, I just lost all my attention, you know, my, my attention to it, and uh, I was bunking off a lot, doing all the stupid things you shouldn't be doing. Because so that's what my, that, that's how it was, where I come from. It was like it was like that.
5: So we're talking late fifties, early sixties, yeah. Yeah, and yeah. You, you were growing up in Islington. What was Islington like was at the tough. time? It was
3: a tough area. Um, you know, it there wasn't. There's was a couple of gentile areas, areas like Barnesbury mm. um, and uh, Canterbury but other than that, it was just it was. There was a lot of bomb ruins around there from the war. With kids, I remember playing on. We used play on bomb ruins. I mean, we'd go out play. I mean, it's, it's strange. You think how you bring your own kids up and and so forth. but I mean, when I was a kid, I can remember we'd go out. You'd go out and be out till late at night in the summers. You know, go all over London, go on, bunk on the tube, go all over. I mean, it, we're kids doing it you would you you'd you, scare the life out you're doing it today with, with the you know with teenagers let alone um, yeah. little kids and we, we, we'd be all over the place and it was uh, but we had we had
5: know, nothing to eat all day I, I
3: remember no, myself we, I mean, playing no, it know no, we had I mean we've I mean, we we always we always well I mean the one thing you had we ate we well
5: mate, but it was um, it was it was just but you never you never like today where you buy a you coffee be, and a bottle of water you, you don't be, have water well, you we just went and you went out all day playing over on
3: bomb ruins like you know where we bombed out houses climbing trees and all the stuff that you not allowed to do now. Kids are not allowed to do.
5: And famously, of course, <clears throat> excuse me. Famously, of course, you were approached by your second cousin. Yeah. Lenny McLean, of course, who yeah. people know of fame, yeah. um, who hadn't just lost a fight, wanted a rematch, but couldn't find a promoter. No, what happened? He lost the rematch, and he was offered a, offered. He lost the fight, and he was
3: offered a rematch. And uh, I didn't like Lenny too much. He was a bully, Lenny. He was he was a big lump. And he was one of those kids when he was like, you know, when he was sort of 11. He, he had was a beard. Like, yeah, yeah, he was a yeah. big kid, you know, and, he was, and he, he was quite intimidating. He was a bit of a bully. But anyway, he um he was, he, my Uncle Bob, he was on his wife, my Aunt Kathy, who, was, who passed away. She was a lovely lady. He it was, it was on her side of the family. And uh, anyway, coming up to this fight, he was going to have with a bloke called Roy Shaw, ex-fighter who Mickey Duff used to manage many, many years ago. I
5: remember Roy Shaw he, as well, um, yeah. He... Um, these guys, by the way, for anyone listening who were younger, these were the hardest men in Britain at the time, weren't they? Well, they... Yeah. No, but, no, but that's how they were built, wasn't uh, it? That's how it was built. I, mean, you know, I mean, you know, it was...
3: Fighting, it, it? it was unlicensed fighting, wasn't it? Well, it was licensed, but they called it unlicensed because it wasn't yeah. licensed by the, the board, board control. With yeah. the yeah. But um, anyway, cut along long... And that's why I get so... thing about this health, because I've seen it at that level. I was yeah. involved in it, so yeah. I know what it's like. And what happened was um, a week or so before the fight, he was told that um, if he uh, and, and the first fight, it, it was ridiculous what happened to him. He, didn't, he, he threw one punch, nearly knocked out Roy Shaw, and then he crossed his arms in the corner of the ring, just kept pointing his chin, telling Roy Shaw to hit him, which he did about 50 times, and eventually just sort of slunk down the ring. So my uncle gave him a real <laughs> over that and said to him, "You know what's going on? You, you know." Uh, and he got him. And Freddie Hill used to train the Finnegan's, so took him to him to train him. Anyway, made the rematch and. Um, I wound up in his corner. I didn't know nothing about boxing. I had another relation, Johnny Wall, who passed away, who was a light heavyweight, turned pro, same time as Conti, and was trained by George Francis. Um, that was my interest in boxing.
5: Who, too, trained Frank Bruno yeah, and yeah, others, of yeah. course. George Francis lived in and Highgate. Jo- and John. Run around the ponds, John was yeah.
3: a really stylish boxer, but yeah. he was a playboy. He never, you know, he's one of those guys that could get away with a natural ability up to a certain point, but he he sodded around. He was he loved the nightlife and so <laughs> forth. It was always out of us, but anyway, so the, uh, <laughs> in those though. But so Lenny had this this fight, and uh, the, the, and on the night it was, uh, well, Louie, the there was all sort of this worry, and, and I went up in his corner. My uncle Bob and myself were his cornermen. I never knew anything about. Corner work or anything, so I was in there, in this play, and it was a club called Sinatra's in Croydon. Sinatra's belt with a C in Croydon. It and might it, be
5: Caesar's today, you know that no, one. No, is it was not? Called, no. Sinatra's, Sinatra's with a called,
3: C. It's what it's called, <laughs> Sinatra. Yeah. Copyright, you know. And uh, so he, he knocked him out. He knocked him over. And they counted up to about thirty. He got up. Then they rung the bell, and it was uh, it was it was quite nice. And then there was a third match, and that's when I then.
5: At the Rainbow Theatre in, yeah, in Finsbury said, Park. And there was a yeah. big argument, who's
3: going to do it? And I just, in the end, I piped up. I was only a kid. I was only about 22, 23. I said, I'll do it. I said, we'll do it. We don't need you for. It was uh, Joey Powell's dad and a fella called um, and Roy Shaw. And I just said, I'll do it. And
5: that's how I got involved in it. So really, in many ways... Um, accident. Yeah, but were you still working as a solicitor? Then thought that I'm not oh, doing no, that. No,
3: I was solicitor. was that was well gone. I was only about fifteen when I was sixteen. So were you wheeler
5: dealering or what were you? Yeah, doing, you be, know, I was running my own business, and
3: I I, I had I had um, I used to I brought pool tables over from Australia. We were putting in pubs, and we you know I had a few interesting, a couple of clubs and pubs and things. I. I'd, few things going
5: back then. So that entrepreneurial zeal was already there. Yeah, the, was, the kind of curiosity for, to yeah, to do these things, yeah.
3: I, I worked for myself from probably about the age of 19.
5: So um, your first license show yeah. was at the Bloomsbury Crest Hotel, 1980. Yeah. And promoting two unknown United States heavyweights. Well, they, they were well-known Americans. Well, they were well Yeah, <laughs> and over here, of course. Yeah. So tell us about them. What was that?
3: Yeah. Well, what happened? I had a friend in America, or a friend of my uncle's, called Frank Gelb. Who actually? I think he looks after. He, he now looks after Frank up, Gelb. Yeah, G L B. He used to work with Top Rank. Yeah, he, that's he right. Done, yeah, he's doing a lot of their shows there, mm. uh, and he looks after the, you know the blind opera singer. And Frank, um, <laughs> you know, we're talking, and, and Chris Dundee who's Angelo's brother. Yes. He was involved,
5: and uh, so it goes all the way back to those guys. Angelo really. was my. Uh, I knew Angelo from when he came over. This is Muhammad Ali's trainer that Frank's yeah. talking about. Well, he by
3: was the way, my, they were big friends of my. Uncles and my and, and his partner, my dad, the dad, and uh, Albert Dimes, who they were they were partners back in those days, and uh, they were massive friends. I mean, they, they when when um, Ali come over, they would sort of, you know, be with them and look after him, that sort of stuff. And cut a long story short, they they helped me get this fight together, and it was uh, Jerry Martin and Ot Gordon, if I remember rightly, and uh, it was going to be for American title, and I was going to get some TV for it. But the board can tried to the regulation there, And I didn't know this stuff. I've taken a license out. You know, I've mm. jumped in. I'm mm. going to do this. I'm going to do that. Jack the lad. And think I know it all. But they had, a, they had a, a, a regulation. You couldn't have any TV dates unless you'd run at least three or four shows. So I couldn't get it. So
5: you'd stuff. run into the regulations of the board even then Day with one. the very first show. Uh, Day one, yeah. And, and
3: there had been a famous fight quite a few years earlier at the Albert Hall with Leotis Martin heavyweight fight it was never televised but it was rammed out it was one of the great fights and everybody thought this was going to be a, a similar scenario anyway it turned out it was a crap fight and it was empty you could have the, the venue was empty you could have driven a double decker bus around it and not knocked anyone over it was just totally empty and i and I, and I absolutely done my money I'd done my money a lot of money back then I'd lost my money but it was, it was part of the education and part of um I had to learn quickly on my feet. We were dealing with the border control because they were very much in the cartels' corner and linked very much towards them back then.
5: So you do have some success, though. You go all the way through the eighties, then, and you're learning. And I, I hadn't heard you talk about the influence of you know the Dundees before, and and you know your 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 uncle Frank. I um, no, mean, Dad Frank, your y- uncle Bob. Your uncle Bob, sorry. Um, but was there a feel that you had for it straight away because I mean you know from yeah. you, 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 I mean having been involved nearly thirty years now in boxing, you you find out whether you fit in the world don 't you but uh, around people because there it, 's a lot of characters in boxing aren 't there well, and there's some people don 't fit and some people do, and it, it 's it's, it's, it's an inexact science in many ways isn 't it Like I always say this, and I talk about you and i 'll talk about Bob Aram and Don King. And, and, and Eddie Hearn, to a, to a certain extent, and Dana White and Scott Coker, the MMA promoters. There's no book, there's no university degree on promoting. It's very nuanced. You either have a feel for it. And those people that understand fight sports, and I do count myself amongst them now, you know what makes a good fight. You know what's a good promotion. You know whether something's going to work. You know what excites people. There's no book, is there? There's no, you, no, so you have that, to have a feel that, for it. Well, don't first you? of all in
3: boxing you're putting your own money up, so you've got yeah. it's your taking, Oh race. you are, yes. Yeah, you're not yeah. Getting, you know, it's your dough, so you're putting your money up and you know I've be, I've done that, I've sort of mortgaged houses and done all that, put money up, I've done all those things. And but uh, but I know I, 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 I am blowing my own trumpet. I know about fighters. I can spot a good fighter, I spot a good young fighter, I know, you know, being a promoter, being a manager, making the right matches at the right time. Is timing the perfect punch? Is timing the perfect match? Is timing seeing if a guy is not as good as he was when you're bringing an up and up and coming young fighter and so forth. That's all timing, and the promoting comes with it. You know, seeing what you feel, you can sell what the public will buy. Can you sell, you know, this fighter who maybe a boring fighter? How can how are you going to bring him through? It's all different challenges, and at the end of the day, as I say, I. I I, I'm, I've got as much enthusiasm for that now as I had back when I was a kid.
5: He's Frank Warren, I'm Gareth O'Davis. You're listening to Fight Night on TalkSport. You're listening to Fight Night on TalkSport and I'm in the company, the very entertaining company, of Frank Warren who has waxed lyrical tonight. He's told us about his times around the likes of Angelo Dundee, how he took on the board at the beginning. You promote all the way through the 80s in the end, Frank. Um, We're going to come to some of the names in the next couple of sections on, you know, from Nazim Hamid, Frank Bruno, Ricky Hatton, Amir Khan, Joe Calzaghi. It goes on and on. Billy Joe Saunders, Tyson Fury. You've always had one of the principal names or a couple of the principal names in British sport. And I also know this because you and I talk about this very often whenever we do kind of a deeper piece in the Telegraph. You're, you're about bringing youngsters through as well, about having the next crop always, aren't you? But you promote through the 80s and towards the end of the 80s, you're flying high at that point, aren't you? Yeah. Someone decides to shoot you.
3: Yeah.
5: I mean, it's 30 years ago, yeah? Yeah. It's That's 30 right. years That's ago. really, yeah? Yeah. I mean you never ever look like you suffer trauma from anything i know you've had disputes with people i know you love being involved in this you're a survivor you're you're a you're a pioneer as i said before an entrepreneur when you look back on that 30 years ago given how the world is today where security is so tight now where you can't get on a plane without going through a you know a, yeah. a, a detector where do you know what i mean where yeah. you it's just you know the what the world we now live in, where the the incidents we've had around the world, yeah. and in many ways it was kind of unusual what happened to you back then.
3: Well, it's unusual for me, um, <laughs> and it hasn't happened. <laughs> well, since I was in good company. It. I mean, the Pope got shot, Ronald Reagan got shot, John, John Lennon, John Lennon. I mean, unfortunately, JFK. Sadly, they they quite, yeah, they, yeah. they died, but um, it was it was yeah it was it was a um, it was quite a. A shock and quite an experience but i didn't think i didn't really you know as i say i'm very much in the moment and i knew what i had to do i knew i had to get myself sorted out i knew that you know the um my family's future and security and my wife and my kids i had to make sure that i was out there doing what i doing what i had to do and there's no good sitting around feeling sorry for yourself and so forth because no one you know there were some terrible things were said at the time by a couple of people. I was very disappointed with George Francis, what he said, even though we, you know, he worked later years. He came out with some pretty <laughs> appalling things. But anyway, the fact of the matter was it was um, you know, I got on with it. I discharged myself from hospital and I had to get back my business, was in terrible trouble as a result of it because there was all these terrible rumors flying around, and I I actually uh issued quite a few writs and Quite a few solicitors went to newspapers because there was a lot of irresponsible journalism, you know, linking the bullet that I got hit, got shot with, with another crime, and it was all nonsense. It was all made up. Uh, you know, front page apology I got in one newspaper over it. And um, cut long story short, you know, I was involved in London Arena. We built an arena in Docklands, twelve and a half thousand seat, cedar seat venue, the biggest indoor venue in the UK. I did that because I needed a venue to promote it and it's all falling apart so i had to get myself out of hospital get back in the, the saddle and
5: and sort myself out do you not need to think about it anymore it's something I don't think that's about gone
3: it is mean, it, it's, it's it's pointless me thinking about it if i did think about it then i would get myself in trouble
5: yeah. so i don't think that about what it. you'd feel hatred or I, I, resentment or it, it's it's
3: it's one of those situations at the time you know but you know, i'm no different than anybody else you want you know you want to get your revenge you would want to do something certain certainly from the background i come from where i was brought up that's the natural reaction. But had I done that, all I would have been doing was shooting myself again. Because at the end of the day, I would have been, um, I would, I, I, you know, I wouldn't have been able to do what I wanted to do for my family and my kids. And, and that was all I was concerned
5: about. So is it one of the, speaking kind of genuinely and openly and deeply, is it one of the big learning moments in your life in many ways? Because you said, in a way, you took the bigger picture you took the educated view and you broke a cycle of like you say where you are from you go and get revenge you you don't let someone do that to you and and in a way it's one of the bigger picture aspects from your life but 30 it, years but it's on a look one. at your lovely children now oh, no, you yeah. know they're in their 30s now yeah. you've got six grandchildren is it six nine. or nine nine grandchildren and one on the way and one on the way i mean rather than serving a 20 or whatever you know? well, it's, well, it's not
3: about it. I mean, you got, you got to remember, there's other there's other things. I mean, you know, for the person who did it, and I know who did it now, the person who did it, I mean, their life's a joke. You know, they, what well, they got, they got nothing. I mean, you know, I, I know I know when I hear where they're at, and obviously, I've continued from a very bad position, having been, you know, my wife was told that uh, it was a fifty-fifty chance I'd survive the night. From that, to be, you know quite successful in what I'm doing despite that couldn't stop me despite all that I couldn't stop doing what I was going to do and what you know and I I continued to do what I was going to do so you know I I don't even dwell on that I I dwell all I care about is the good things the bad if you if you're going to sit and think about the bad things I could think about a load of things that happened to me in my life and that have not gone well and I can think about things that have gone dreadfully for other people you know in their lives much worse than I've had you know losses I mean my 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 younger brother Mark committed suicide that to me if I think about that that really is something quite obviously would drag you down and thinking from my perspective what could I have done could I have given him more time could I have shown shown something more towards him and been there for him more than more than I was Uh, because I was doing other things and you know those phone calls I was getting because he was schizophrenic some of those phone calls it was like and they always come at a moment when you, do, when you feel you're doing something more important, which, which wasn't more important. Oh, I'll call you back, and all this. I, I could have done more. So when I talk, think about some mug who couldn't even, who was standing, if he'd been standing close to me, I'd have got him. My partner at the time, John Buttress, who was a barrister, he got a hold of him and put him on the floor. Fella shaking, was that far away from me, couldn't even do it. It shows you what a complete mug he was from that perspective. You know, were not very good with it, was he? You know, for, for, for what he's supposed to have done. So I look at that, and, and, and if I do think about that, I just think, well, you know, that was I, I don't I couldn't even think about it. because it's, it's irrelevant. It's nothing. For me, that is probably like cutting my finger. It's nothing. All I care about is what I'm doing today, and care and worry. And, and if I've got any, my only worries are I will worry about the future of my family. What I do today is all I care about, because if I'm living in the moment, I'm doing okay.
5: Well, you have really lived in the moment. Um, you are very much probably the leading figure in British boxing, you know, historically. You mean
3: the oldest geezer in yeah. British Yeah, all right, that's it's another serious. way of saying it's it.
5: Yeah, and, and, and you've, you've promoted, um, really, the last 30 years. I mean, you look at the list, because they are all standouts. Prince Nazim Hamid... Um, you know the the ascent of Ricky Hatton to the IBF light welterweight championship of the world after beating Costasu in two thousand and five. Yeah. Talk about timing. Yeah. What do you remember of that night?
3: I remember to get Ricky to fight, we got him. I got him a, a final eliminator for the for the title, and Costa Zoo was, with, was was being, was a big Showtime fighter in America, and Showtime you know put a lot of resources behind. He was a great fighter, Costasu, and I remember he had a, he had a, he had a a shoulder injury
5: and Ricky, and a period of inactivity yeah, leading up yeah, to which yeah. was very well, that was, smart that, that you'd was, noticed
3: that was, well, no what happened you had the inactivity because of me we was in the position and we agreed a deal and I I'd said to Ricky Ricky kept saying well, let's fight him now I said no no let's do it I'll tell you when we'll do it and eventually we made the fight but I, when we agreed the terms I didn't promote the fight for six months afterwards and that, I knew it would be Ricky's night and I, t- I remember telling him at the time I said this is your night You've got to put it on this guy. You've got to bully the life out of him. You've got to break his spirit, break his heart. You've got to be on him. Mm. This can, really, you can do this. And he, you know, and, and he did it. I mean, at the end of the day, he done in, got in the ring and done what he It was one
5: thing. of the great nights in British boxing, though, That was it? was one of the great nights. Yeah.
3: But you know what? That was Ricky's greatest night in British. I agree. He always says that. Everest that yeah. was his pinnacle.
5: Yeah, when you when you promoted Joe Calzaghi again, who was really hard to promote in the beginning. I do remember this. So he never wanted to leave Cardiff. He was to lazy. Leave. He, no, no, but he was. No, he was he, lazy. He, he, he has a. Sim- I don't agree with you. We well, don't know I, him. I n- know no, him. I do know him. No, I do know him. But I, I, yes, lazy in, in from your perspective. But hmm. also one of those he was a homeboy didn't want to leave Newbridge. Didn't like the bright lights of London at the time. Didn't want to come down here. Joe Calzaghi pulled out of 50% of his fights, top-level fights.
3: That's what Joe did. Great fighter. His dad, done, his dad done a great job with him when you consider his mm. dad never had a great background as a trainer, but he got a lot out of him. But Joe kept pulling out of fights.
5: And yet, and yet, two nights that I will never forget, the Jeff Lacey fight, which I'll never forget. I didn't sleep for two days after that. It was so amazing. And I know you've got stories behind that when joe calzaghe fought this guy that was the new mike tyson of the of the, the light heavyweight super middleweight division it was he was that was super middleweight and the fight with Kessler at cardiff yeah those that, that, great that, nights. they were great they nights were great. and great. i know that calzaghe didn't want to fight one of them
3: never was not going to happen
5: yeah was the Kel- not going to happen cuz he was worried jeff about went. his hands for jeff lacey and, was and right. it was, a, was one right. of the greatest what, performances what's you'll what's ever see you? what,
3: what what happened that night first of all he was a massive massive underdog Nobody fancied him at all. I mean, nobody fancied him. And I really did fancy. Him. I brought Jeff Lacey over. I put him on two shows. I watched him, watched him, watched, him, watched a load of filming. And I knew that Joe would beat him. I knew his style would beat him. And it was the week before the fight, and his dad Enzo rang me up and he said, and Remember, the fight had already been postponed once. Mm. And he phoned me up and he said, Joe's not fighting. He said, I said, What? He said, he's, He said, He's hurt his hand. I went, Oh, you know, <laughs> obviously a world disappointment. I said, Look, disappointed. I said, But you Know what can we do? I said, They'll probably strip him, etc. etc. But he can't fight with a bad hand, obviously. And his dad said to me, There's nothing wrong with his hand, he said, It's all in his head. I said, What are you talking about? He said, I'm telling you. This is his dad. This is not your dad's going to say without his dad,
5: he'd never got to where he was, Frank. He wouldn't have, he
3: drove him. So then he said, said, You're gonna have to speak to him. So I rang him and I said to him, What's the matter with you? And he was like, Hello, Frank, and it was all like down and whatever. And I was talking, I said, listen and I've never you know it's funny we talk about health and everything, but his dad's told me there's nothing wrong his dad's told me that. so I said to him you beat me with one hand and what I said you, I said this fella won't get will not lay a glove on you I said he's too limited they're all you know I'm, I'm telling you you will, your style you'll absolutely it'll be a night out I said all you need is you go and buy yourself a trombone and just practice that's all you need to do I said you knock his head off I said that's all you need to do and, as and I was on the phone for about half an hour, and from the conversation, hello, Frank, it was like, by the end of it, can't we have the fight today? <laughs> you know, that's where he was. Anyway, he's, he's old Maybe there. he
5: suffered from depression that well, we never knew about, I don't, you know. I don't know. Times but, are but changing, dad, aren't they? Yeah, that's, you know?
3: that's quite right. That's a very bad part. But his dad rang me back later, and his dad said to me, um, I don't know what you said, but it's all good, he's on. And that's lovely. I said, sure, he's all right. though. Yeah, he's definitely right. That fight, the, the box stacks for that were more punches thrown by any fighter who's supposed to have a bad bad hand than anyone. And what I did, I, as he took his gloves off, I went, well done, and I shook the hand. Really hard. And I squeezed it as hard as I can, <laughs> and he never
4: even flinched.
5: <laughs> you're listening to Fight Night on TalkSport. I'm in the marvellous company tonight and thoroughly enjoying it, I'm sure as you all are, with Mr. Frank Warren. We'll be back right after this.
6: Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary.
7: Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.
8: This is it. The time
2: has come.
0: Saturday night's all right for fighting.
3: Get in the ring and go the distance with Fight Night with Gareth A. Davies. You better than that on Talk Sport.
5: You're listening to Fight Night on Talk Sports. Hope you've been enjoying the show so far. I think uh, Mr. Frank Warren in fine form. Uh, His studio, sorry, his office is my studio tonight. He's kindly allowed us into um, his office out in Broxbourne for the day. Frank, it's lovely to be here. Um, We talked about all the characters you promoted the success with Ricky Hatton, with Joe Calzaghi, with Amir Khan, with all these different fighters. Frank Bruno, we didn't really go into. Obviously, you got him a world title f- at the fourth attempt, wasn't it? Um, on, a, on, a, on a night that we all remember, where we were all praying with our hands together in the last two rounds. I'm sure they were saying, come on, Frank, hold on. Oh, yeah. And all these great nights. But has anyone ever produced the story that Tyson Fury has to... Win the world title. In fact, I remember doing stories with you a year before and you said, listen, this guy's six foot nine is a clever boxer. You just watch him outbox at the ExCel Arena on that night of terrible fog that the show ran very late. In fact, I was commentating with Talk sport that night. I think Ian Dark was doing the commentary with us that night. Everyone was lost in the pea soup fog afterwards. There were lots of travelers there. It was a, it was a kind of a messy night, if I can put it that way, okay? But within the messiness of the night... Tyson Fury put on a display against Derek Chisora, with a left uppercut most of the night from southpaw. We'd never seen that from him before, and I remember interviewing you, couple the week after or whenever it was, because I was sitting in my car outside my London flat. I remember speaking to you. You said, "Listen, he's gonna go when he gets the chance. This guy will school Vladimir Klitschko. You watch. Do you remember?" "Yeah, I do." And you just stuck to it, and I went with the story, and I've never forgotten that because. As we know, you have an ability to see the, sh- the silhouettes moving. You just know, don't you? You've been in it too long. Um, this guy wins the world title, goes, has his mental health issues, does a cocaine binge, gets rung up randomly by a guy from Rolling Stone, does the whole story, relinquishes his titles, doesn't take a £10 million rematch of Vladimir Klitschko because he's off on one. He balloons to 28 Stone. I know, I've seen, I saw him at 28 Stone. I went to Marbella when he first met Ben Davis and was with Billy Joe. Went running on the beach with them. And you know what they're like? If they trust you, you're in their circle. They're those kind of people, aren't they? Yeah. He loses 10 stone in weight. The, the weight of Melania Trump, as I always say, yeah? Ricky he, Hatton. Oh, the weight of Ricky Hatton. No, don't a fighting weight. A, a fighter weight Ricky Hatton. He goes yeah. and does this amazing thing that we were all at... In December last year, talk to me about Tyson Fury. Have you, have you ever been involved or promoted anyone quite like this?
3: He's a, remar- he's a remarkable character. All those things you said, you know, right? And when he fought Danny Williams, I thought Danny Williams. Sorry, Dan, Derek. Derek Derek Yeah, the second time. Second yeah. time. When he yeah. fought Derek Chisora the second time, I really Derek Chisora has gone on a roll. He had a couple of some good wins under his belt.
5: Oh, he wasn't overweight for once, was no, he either? And, yeah. And I felt and
3: I felt that he was going to give him uh, a, a lot of problems. And some of us felt that he'd win it. And it was the final eliminator for the title. He scored him. He never lost a second of any round until he stopped him. And, you know, I just felt then you know, that he is something much more special than I thought he was. And that's how it's been. And he had a terrible, terrible time. You know, when you look at all the depths of despair, he was suicidal. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's the worst you can be when you're in so much pain. You think the only way that you can get rid of that pain is to kill yourself that gets rid of the pain and he was that low but the bottom you know that he, he, he was at the bottom and he's come back to the top and and it's boxing that's giving that it's obviously his determination and his family but it's boxing that's giving him some direction trains hard now he's always in great shape you look at him he's always i mean he's it's complete he's an athlete he looks an athlete now he's always had that natural inborn um uh, stamina Got a great boxing brain. He's very light on his feet. He's, I mean, he's a very smart, smart guy as far as boxing is concerned. And he, I think, I think, I think his comeback is probably one of the greatest comebacks of, and I, and I mean this of any boxer I can think of in of history. Any, yeah. Yeah. Because of where he was, you know, where the time out the ring and the troubles that he had. You know, Ali had all those had that time out the ring. But he wasn't, su- su- well, to my knowledge, he wasn't suicidal. He wasn't doing coke. He wasn't boozing. He wasn't, you know, blowing up in weight. You know, for Tyson, he's he's he, what he's done. It I think is phenomenal. And and whatever happens, he's a winner by getting himself to where he's at now. Now he's got a fight in September. Um, we can talk about it now because obviously it's going to be it's going to be that he's fighting on the 14th September in Vegas is right.
5: that definitely confirmed yeah not the 21st and that's the 14th definitely the f- against Otto Wallin Yeah, undefeated N- yep. Swedish guy Yeah. so
3: he's got that and, he- and hopefully he'll come through that fight
5: Vegas is right for him though isn't it yeah there was got. talk about Boston and New York but isn't, isn't it instinctively uh, just judging from that last fight he is so Vegas yeah no, yeah, but, yeah, you know, what, what he is... Let that him was him. a sigh there. What, what no, because he is... Come on, you love Vegas I, as well, I, don't I, you? I,
3: I, not like, uh, not, it's not like it used to be years ago. I mean, when I used to go that it was a
5: different class. it was a hundred, million times better. When Sinatra with an S was yeah. playing, yeah? Right, yeah? I promoted Sinatra. Tell us about that. I promoted Tell us about son. that. What, about what? Tell us about promoting
3: Frank Sinatra. It was good fun. It was good fun, London Arena, and looking after him, and... You know, he was. Uh, it, it was good. Fight. He loved his fight stuff as well. Didn't he loved he? his fight. He was a photographer at the alley. Frazier um, fight Phraser in New York, fight, yeah, yeah, for Time it Magazine, I Time think. Time Magazine, for that, yeah. he a yeah. Yeah. He was a good guy, but I'm di- digressing. But no, digress. But but, but but getting back to when it's you know, when it's
5: Sinatra, you've got to digress. <laughs>
3: Tyson was Tyson was a really you know, he. he, he
5: he's it great it couldn't there. have been a bigger success, no. Vegas, could it? Against opponent of the. It's about, building, it, it's
3: about building. It's about building. This all this scenario with. ESPN is all about building towards the return match with... Deontay Wild she was a great fight, probably one of the best heavyweight fights, the most dramatic heavyweight fights in a long time, involving
5: the biggest puncher probably in the heavyweight division in a long Single puncher? Of, yeah. No, I think the biggest yeah. single puncher ever, yeah. maybe. Well,
3: you know. Who, who else? Ernie um, Shavers and, you know.
5: Yes, but but, but, but look what he's able to do. Yeah. He could I mean, have lived with anyone, course, yeah. surely, with that punch. He can punch. He's yeah. a, he's a yeah. massive yeah. puncher. And, yeah.
3: And a, and a great. And, and, and a great character as well. But, and he is. He's a, I like him. He's a good guy. Yeah. But, but you're building up for this rematch, and this rematch, I think. Provided he, that he's, Deontay's got a fight, I think, in early November against Ortiz. Provided he comes through that, that is going to be a huge fight. So they both got to win, win their, their respective fights. However, in heavyweight boxing, anything can happen. And I mean anything. Gun asked Anthony Joshua. He was a massive, massive odds-on against
5: Andy Ruiz Jr., yeah.
3: Massive odds-on. Mm-hmm. And he got just taken apart that night.
5: I know people will be listening to this saying, Come on, Gareth, ask Frank, then. Why on earth... Can't Tyson Fury and Deontay Wilder rematch maybe eight months later? Why does there have to be a growth period to make it um, a fight a year and a half later?
3: It could have it could happened, but it's going to be a bigger fight now. It's going to be shown, Not by, I believe when it goes on, it'll be shown by two channels. And that's a bigger fighter. So and
5: it's time for growth is what it is. It's, it's time to allow and to And also grow. their
3: only capacity. They're in there. They have got to make the best of what they can
5: yeah. for a big fight. So it's them, just the way boxing is, isn't they, it? No, is it's the way.
3: Saying. Well, hang on a minute. You're talking about these are fighters, you know. You could t- you could turn that logic on its head and say they did that with, jo- with Ruiz and with, with Joshua. With Joshua, where was Ruiz rated? Um, no not not rating. highly. Not highly. So where no. was he? And he just shows you what can happen.
5: No, he told me when I went to see him in Los Angeles that. A couple of years earlier, or a year and a bit earlier, he'd been paid 30000 to fight. You well, there
3: know? you go. So anything can happen. Mm. But, but you're asking why this happened. What has got to happen? Well, you know, you've got to remember that, that Deontay Wilder signed up with Showtime for two fights. Two, two fights before this. He's had one. He's got this one. What's Tyson going to do? Sit on his backside and wait until February before he fights? No, he's not. He's going to fight somebody. And he's going to fight somebody who's ranked... In that top five or six, and that's what he's doing.
5: No, I know how it works, but I think for our listeners, it needs explaining. Sometimes that's it's that, just the way that, it works because that's it's that's just it. that it's like boxes are built at the beginning. You don't put them in with a world beater well, do, when they're I, a novice. I, I, you I, don't.
3: I remember when I remember watching Arsenal play. I remember watching Arsenal play Everton many years ago, and they brought this this young kid on called Wayne Rooney. He didn't play for ninety minutes. At the time he was on, he was brilliant, but he, could, he, he couldn't have played him for ninety minutes. Maybe you could, I don't know, but it, they need—they have to learn their trade and it takes time. You don't just throw them in the deep end, and you can't do that with fighters. Fighters need to learn their trade. Now, Tyson's learned his trade. Bearing in mind, he'd been out of the ring for nearly three years. And everybody was saying to me, But he's only fought two easy fights as a comeback. He's entitled to those two fights because of the, what happened with his lifestyle and being out of the ring. And you're putting him in with Deontay Wilder, that's terrible, you're doing that. You can't win.
5: No, fair enough. And finally, (coughs) two little questions to finish off on the heavyweight division. Um, First one on Anthony Joshua, and I mean little questions. Um, Are the fights with Anthony Joshua, is the fight with Anthony Joshua and the winner of Deontay Wilder and Tyson Fury let's say it's Tyson Fury is the Tyson Fury Anthony Joshua fight in the UK still a huge fight yeah of course even if he loses the biggest in history yeah. most I think grossing so, yeah. fight in history
3: if they, if they if you know if Joshua regains his title and Tyson's got the title i think it'd be the biggest sporting event since England won the world cup it'd be in a cross
5: <laughs> in and football, and yeah, cricket. But yeah, but, but, but you know <laughs> that only is, happened a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, it yeah, so. It was
3: fantastic. And yeah. Don't get me wrong; it's exciting. I mean, I loved it. I'm, I'm not a big cricket fan, but I was on the edge. But of it the affected thing. the whole what country did, when we won the World Cup in '66. But you know yeah. what? The boxing is much, much bigger. I don't care yeah. what anyone yeah. says. Everybody, everybody knows the world heavyweight champion. He was always the most famous sportman on the planet. Going back to you know to the Marcianos, to the Dempseys, to the Sunny Listons, the Allys, and whatever—they're always the most famous sportsmen. The, a cricketer is not the most famous sportsman on the planet.
5: And, be, and just as we finish, it's funny, you know, because we had Deontay Wilder in the studio. Yeah. He was brilliant with us a couple of weeks yeah. ago. You heard it, no doubt. And he—he he is so shocked because that fight with Tyson Fury has made him a massive star in the awesome. UK as well. Yeah. He cannot walk anywhere now. Um, listen, it's been absolutely brilliant having you with me in the studio, in your office, home from home. Um, thank you so much it's indeed, Frank. Gary, and always it. great to be with you. Thank you so much. And you, mate. All the best. You're listening to Fight Night on Talk Sport.
9: Everyone knows my goals, my dreams, my aspirations as to become world champion. It's a cliche saying, but the time is now. I haven't fought anyone the calibre of Kovalev, but at the same time, it's just another human being standing in front of me.
6: It's not a massive job. Who is he? He's a man. Two arms, two legs, a fighter, just like Anthony Yard. He's
9: been a world champion a long time. They will say it, there's always a hungry lion coming up.
6: We're about to show you what this is about. You already know what Anthony Yard likes to do.
10: KO. That's what's in my mind.
5: You're listening to Fight Night on Talk Sports. I'm with the bedazzling, the beguiling, the man, they say, can go to Russia and take the world title off Sergei Kovalev. You've targeted this guy for a while, Anthony Yard. We're in the gym where you train very often here. You're a couple of weeks away. How does it feel? It just feels good. It just feels great to
9: be here. And literally, um, there's a lot of... Well, every fighter, you know, they, they work hard to get to these kind of stages. And I'm on that stage now, so I'm enjoying it. I'm loving it.
5: He's a good challenge. He's look. He 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 went. He dipped, and I think he's come back stronger. Do you agree with me? In recent fights, I don't feel like he he's dipped.
9: I just feel like um, he's come up against opposition which he struggled with. Like Andre Ward,
5: you mean twice? Yeah,
9: exactly. Like Andre Ward, and um, the first fight was very 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 controversial. Um, I had Andre Ward winning, but a lot of people didn't. So um, it was a controversial fight. <clears throat> they fought again. Of course, Andre um, Andre Wu got the job done. Um, before Andre Wu got the job done, um, I had cover up, up on points. So um, it's, one, it's one of the things where you know, a fight's a fact. Fight. Um, a lot of people are gonna make excuses and say he, he dipped, he's getting old or whatever. But in my opinion, he looked good in his last fight. Um, I agree completely. Yeah, yeah he did exactly. very good. He looked good. He was throwing better combinations he's than he's thrown um, in recent years. And um, yeah, I'm just I'm just focused on. Getting the best cover look, I'm going to be the best Anthony Hood.
5: I was at those two Andre Ward fights, they were fascinating. I mean, remember, Andre Ward left the sport after those two fights as the number one pound for pound in the world, remember, as well. So, and I thought Ward was at his very, very finest in those two contests, especially the second one. And he was spiteful with those low blows as well towards the end, if you remember.
9: Yeah, I remember, I remember seeing them. Um, but at the same time, they were low blows, but it's the way Kovalev reacted um, to the low blows that ma- that indicated to the referee that he didn't want to carry on. Um, he literally just wasn't protecting himself and um, just bent over. Um, again, I haven't fought at this level before. Um, I've still got a lot of experience the game, but
5: as everyone can see, I'm gasping it with both hands. We know how he boxes. Okay, so... Um, we know how you fight as well you Do know. You? <laughs> yeah, well, we've, well I've, I've, I've seen several of your fights live I've seen <laughs> yeah. most of your career yeah. um, are you telling us that we haven't seen everything yet is that the point? Um, I don't think so um, you definitely haven't seen
9: everything um, and again that's based on opposition that's been put in front of me um, based on me practicing in the ring and um, you know cert- I haven't fought every star yet I fought a lot, of, a lot of different styles, but again, everyone's at different levels with their style. You know, there's a lot of people that try to fight like Matt Tyson, but they, they're not Matt Tyson. There's a lot of people that try to fight like um, Floyd Mayweather, but they're not Floyd Mayweather. So um, there's different levels to every style. And, um, you know, everyone's got their, their difference, their different attributes, their goods and their bads. Um, and yeah, I'm just looking forward to it, man. I'm, just, I'm really,
5: really looking forward to it. It indicates to me from what you're saying, I'm perhaps trying to read maybe between the lines a little bit too much, but it sounds to me like you want to take him into the trenches. That's if we get
9: there. Um, what's what's in my mind, again, is just tunnel vision um, and winning by KO. Um, however it happens, when it happens, again, that's what nobody knows. Um, I haven't got a magic globe, and I can't
5: go out there and say to you, it's going to be first round, second round, third round. You've got a couple of magic wands in your hand, though. <laughs> big ones, heavy ones. Yeah, two big anchors. Anchors, <laughs> not magic wands. Yeah, two big anchors.
9: Two You're going to sink him, yeah? <laughs> two big anchors. Um, slash magic wands. <laughs> but, um, yeah, now literally, I'm just looking to go out there. Um, again, even in this fight, I'm not treating this fight any different. Um, I'm still not going to want to take any punishment. I'm still going to want to dish out as much punishment as I can um, in the shortest space as I can. But again, <clears throat> there's been previous fights where people say to me, "You could, I feel like you could have took him out a couple of rounds earlier. <clears throat> I'm not going to be reckless because this is the sport of boxing. Um, both people are very fit to fight. Both got two hands and um, both everyone I've fought so far has got knockouts on their record. So for me you got a knockout on your record, you damage to throw a punch. So I'm not going in there to try and be reckless or anything like that, even if I do think I can just take out my opponent whenever I want.
5: You're going out very early to Russia, and it's a two-pronged question, this, really. You're going out very early. I'd like to know why. Not going with a week. You're going with almost two weeks, aren't you, before the fight? Is that right? That's what we were hearing?
9: No, I'm going out there... um the uh, the week of the fight. Oh, you are
5: going out for a week? Yes. okay. you just wanted to get a lot of media duties out of the way early and just get your mind focused not be distracted the the penultimate week before fight week then, yeah? yeah. Most definitely.
9: Um, The the one thing I do know from, again, watching boxing and studying the sport is that you need to be focused Mm. and, um, you know, doing media and all these kind of things are things that are needed. Some things are needed, but at the same time, What's mainly needed is you focus on yourself
5: and preparation. So um, that's priority for me. What about going and fighting? People can say, it's in the middle of nowhere in Russia. It's in the middle of nowhere. Will you take your own food? Will you have your own chef? Will you be concerned if it does go decision that the guy we're looking up there on the poster just in front of us, Kovalev, will get treated better? Because he's in Russia, did those things play on your mind at all? I'll answer this one first. It's not going the distance. Um,
6: it is. It is not going the
9: distance. Um, if it does go the distance, I'm still winning. <laughs> again, that's all that's in my mind. Is um, is winning the fight, but again by a knockout. So the fight is gonna the fight ain't going the distance. That's not. That's 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 what I'm sure of. Um, In terms of all the other stuff of being in the middle of nowhere, all that's what's motivating for me because, again, it's another challenge. It's just another challenge. Um, You know, there's. There's food everywhere. That's the way I see it. Um, I'm not going to have my own chef.
5: I can cook. <laughs> okay. Thank God I can cook. <laughs> but, um. <clears throat> so you're not worried about the rhythms of finding... Because you haven't had to go on the road in a big event so far. You're not worried about the rhythms of looking for certain foods that you'll want in fight week or certain drinks or your food cooked in certain... Well, you're not built that way, are you? You're not kind of a, a guy who is pernickety or... or or perfectionist about the way you go into battle, the way you go into war, you can can adapt, and you can kind of find your way through things in that way. You don't need those things. You need that like that and that like that. You're not like that, no. Well,
9: um, you know, everyone wants to be like that, but sometimes things, they just don't go like that. So um, I've tried to train myself to, again, as you said, adapt, the same way you try to adapt in a ring. Um, You get different opponents. Someone might just switch what they're doing mid-fight, or they might fight one way and they come and fight you a completely different way, so I feel like boxing's a lot to do with adapting, again going to different environments flying out to different countries um, it's, all, it's all just different so you can't expect something, I feel like boxing's full of the unexpected so um, I try not to channel my mind into thinking this is what it's going to be like, or um, that's what it's going to be like, you know going out to Russia again, everyone's, everyone's talking about it, it's like, it's literally like me going to another foreign land where nobody knows you, you know. I'm not even bringing skin color into it, but going to this part of, of Russia, I'm pretty, pretty sure there's going to be no black people. So yeah, there's, there's bound to be a bit of. Um, Does that help I you know. in a way, though? I wouldn't, I wouldn't say it helps me, but again, it won't phase me. It just won't phase me. You'll um, still be the
5: best looking guy in the town, come oh, on. That's for damn
9: sure. <laughs> that's for damn
5: sure. Best of luck out there, bring it home, yeah? Bring yes. it home. Lions in the camp. Lions in the camp!
4: Lions in the camp!
5: Good luck, bud. Thank you, bro. Thank you. Well, I'm joined now by one of the lions in the camp, Tunde Ajayi, yes, who is Anthony Yard's trainer, of course, who we know very well, and manager. Big lion.
6: <laughs> You've got to say that. You got, I have. You have to. Because
5: it, it just yeah. adds
6: more spice. <laughs> manager and... I don't even like saying trainer first. I like saying manager and trainer. Because um, for where we come from, it looks good if... They see people from the area that have actually done something more than just training and, and is you know managing or managing is a is a skill and um, I think we 've done that and displayed that well
5: i didn 't mention you know the area in London where you guys are from, and I just spoke to Anthony just then and obviously you know we 've documented his story yeah. both in studio um, and discussing it because obviously anthony 's been in talks about staying away from gangs when he was growing up and thinking about being an athlete and a footballer and being lectured by Tessa Sanderson and all these brilliant things in the background. But like you say, there's a bigger picture here, which is not just your personal successes. It's the bigger picture that it puts out to the community afterwards, isn't it?
6: Absolutely. You know, London speaks for itself. The things that are going on in London are... It's quite tragic, really, you know, because you have so many talented young men and women um, who are products of their environment, and they really don't need to, it really doesn't need to be that way. And um, I've been in the barbershops, and I hear, I hear all the stories, and everyone always knows the right thing to do, but no one was ever doing the right thing and showing the youngsters that this is the way. And I feel that myself and Anthony, coming from different parts of London, at least from me, I'm from South London. Mm. Now, now they, you know, it lessens their excuses because you have two people who have taken the hard route and it is hard, you know, and dedicated themselves And um, we're at the top of the mountain.
5: I just said to Anthony, and I'm on record saying this on the show, this is the big step up for him in his career. Sergei Kovalev, he's known as the Crusher for a reason. We saw him come here and destroy a Frank Warren uh, promoted. Nathan, Nathan Cleverly was yes. there that night yes. in four or five rounds and he smashed Nathan that night, took yeah. the WBO title yes. and that was the beginning of his real climb, Kovalev's yes. climb.
4: Yes.
5: Um, he's a very fine world champion. Yes. Heavy-handed. Yes. You're going to Russia, to his home. Um,
6: Actually, his home's California. <laughs> Let's just get that right. He ain't Russia. He and his family live in California.
5: Well, they were, you know, they were working-class people. His mum drove his mum used to use drive a hydraulic hydraulic crane. Paul Young had a
6: beautiful song. It was wherever I lay my hat. That's my home. That's my home.
5: So you, so what? Are you saying that he's become West Coast USA softened up? Westerners,
6: Westerners. The tractor days are gone. (laughs) He's waking up in silk pajamas.
5: Tunde, good luck out in Russia. It's great to speak to you. You're listening to Fight Night on Talksport here with me, Gareth A. Davis. We're coming into the last half an hour, of course, of this two-hour show tonight. Uh, I'm joined by the trainer of Daniel Dynamite Dubois, Martin Bowers, um, long-standing. Uh, owner and um, trainer, very respected in British boxing. Here at the Peacock Gym, we are in East London. Canning Tan, as they call it. That's the one. As your brother Tony always tells me, yeah, this is the last bit of East London hood that's left. (laughs) But what it does do, Martin, is create a ton of boxers. I've just had a little walk downstairs. It's a sweatshop here, isn't it? Especially in the summer. Oh,
10: it really is. I mean, we just finished training ourselves. We finished at 12. Um, and we was 11-handed, so there was quite a few of us.
5: 11-handed? 11-handed. Yeah? It sounds like football uh, firms like to me. 11-handed. <laughs> it felt like football. <laughs> oh, no, we were training But
10: as I've said before, luckily enough, there's, um, there is four trainers. So it's not just myself. There's, there's myself... Uh, Ray Ball, Andre Oli, and Eric Tamor, who you know and you can remember when he yep. was boxing. Yep. So there's the four of us, so we you know, we spread it among us and, and we're quite
5: lucky like that. And Tony Cissé I saw downstairs, Tony done got amazing, his own group. Yeah, he's done amazing, he playing. does amazing work with yeah. kids in all the communities yeah. in London. I've known Tony many years. Yeah, me too. Yeah, deeply Tony, spiritual guy, yeah. Yeah,
10: I remember Tony when he was boxing yes. Repton. Uh, yeah.
5: So he used to come here and spar quite a lot with a couple of the boys that I had. Did he send and you his prayers around on I group group so. text and email? Does he ever so. do that?
10: Really Do you the, never get them? I'm not in the group chat. Oh, you're not in the group chat? I, okay, so. Well, I, I get his
5: prayers every now and again. It's very nice whenever I hear no, from him. No. But he's that kind of person. But what I'm trying to say is, it's that kind of community here, well, isn't well, it? Really, the gym is like a community uh,
10: centre, for want of better mm, words, yeah. and a community base, and it's, it's a facility for the community. Tony does great work bringing um, young tear away, should I say, into the gym and giving them a bit of direction and a bit of purpose in their life. So, you know, we tip our act to Tony and. Along with a lot of the other trainers in the gym who put a lot of time back and, 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 and uh, also go out unrewarded and do it because, because they're here and this is where they live. And that's in all the communities what boxing's involved in and in, in any grassroots sport.
5: So it's not just the boxing, it's the football. It's, you know, loads of people put lots of hours in. I, I was amazed when your brother Tony told me last time we sat down here, which was before Daniel Dubois fought Nathan Gorman, that you literally have close to 10,000 people who've actually either been members of this or subscribed to the club
10: yeah I think we're
5: you know without blowing our own trumpet we're probably a little bit more
10: than that but I can show you that on the books when we go down I mean unfortunately or fortunately they don't all pay their subs (laughs) but that's part of where we live And you know the membership's always you know up for question but a lot of the time we, we You know, we tend to
5: turn a blind eye to that, but that's how the place runs. (laughs) Um, Look, Daniel Dubois, um, his his new opponent's, uh, his next opponent's been announced. Mm. um, The Ghanaian, the heavyweight, Ebenezer Tete. Tete, um, Early 30s, undefeated. um, Well, tell us about him. You know a lot about the guy because you've studied him. It's for the Commonwealth Vacant... Commonwealth a vacant Commonwealth heavyweight title on September the 27th, which is a Friday at the great old Royal Albert Hall, isn't it? Yes.
10: Well, t- if, you know, hand on heart, I only found out about him probably two weeks ago when we we got the uh, heads up that we could get this fight and this fight could be on. And obviously, it's the Commonwealth title, so we've, you know, we've grabbed it with both hands. It's a vacant title. Um, what I've seen of him and what i found out on the internet um, and then what I've been told are probably two different things, but that normally works when you... When you try to find out something about Africa, um, that's no disrespect. It's just how the information filters through mm-hmm. on the internet. He's down as um, six foot five, but I've been told he's six foot three. I've watched a couple of his fights. He's you know he's very aggressive. Come forward and good uppercut, and come, good hooks. That's what he throws. Yeah, mm-hmm. his uppercuts are, are really fast and they're, they're a little bit unorthodox. So I mean we're gonna have a little bit of trouble with that. But you know we're working on that
5: already. We've been in the gym today and we've started started on that. Um, let's go back to that performance, because you and I haven't spoken since then, the performance against Nathan Gorman. Um, it was everything I expect you wanted from him on the night. He showed his jab, he was very composed, he showed the ability to carry a card very well, and he didn't allow an opening for Nathan Gorman, and he dismantled him really, didn't no, he? You know, again, I think
10: um, Daniel boxed very well I won't say he boxed towards us because that would be, you know, that, that would be probably stretching the truth a little bit. As always with fights, they open up and, and then you take advantage of what you, you can and what, what you you know, what you can't, you, you don't. But um, I think he boxed very well. I think Nathan had a game plan and probably stuck to his, but I think Dan was just that little bit sharper and better on the night and a little bit more, you know, focused and determined. I'm not taking nothing away from Nathan because I thought he put up a good fight. Um, but I just think they didn't realise what a beast Daniel is and he really is
5: how do you let's say he wins this vacant uh, Commonwealth title on the 27th will he go for the European then are you taking him the traditional route
10: well, we'd like to think we would, but I mean, obviously, that's something that we'll sit down with Frank, um, my brother Tony. Ajit
5: uh, Kitbael is the European champion at the moment. We ain't looking
10: at that yet. No, to okay. be fair, that's a hurdle. We're not looking to jump mm. yet. I mean, we've got one fight in front of us and, and as I always say, we try and do it one fight at a time and not get carried away with ourselves, keep our feet on the ground and, uh, and do the job that's in front of us. Um, but
5: Martin is already ranked in the top 15 with some of the governing bodies. So that's great. you're going to have that as a, a kind of a... Maybe it's a good problem to have. I don't know. But but he's already there. People are already noticing. And they're already talking about him.
10: Yeah, they probably are. But again, let's not get carried away with ourselves. He's a young embryo fighter. He's 21. We know he's. We know he's got the capability to do it. But it's 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 how we go, approach it. It's, mm. it's I think it's you know take our time. Sort of stay at this level for a little while. Cause as you because you say that because. Once you get up there, as we, we saw with Anthony Joshua, you can't go back. Can't exactly, go back. and that's the key, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. And, uh, Frank's got plenty of experience, and he's been doing this for you know many years. And you know, he's, at the moment, he's got a he's got a rough stone, which he's going to
5: turn into a diamond, hopefully. Is he? You know, you've seen a lot of boxers in forty odd years mm. in the sport. I mean, since you were a teenager, I'm mm. hastening. Even though we all call you Peter Pan. Thanks. Yeah, you've got, the, you've got the bronze summer tan on as well, which makes you even more gardening, of Gardening, just gardening, yeah. Gardening, the yeah, yeah. Um, but, the, the, you know, 40-odd years of being around boxing. Is he one of the most impressive you've ever seen?
4: Um,
5: I'd like to say yes, but then again, I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to um,
10: put too much pressure on him. I, listen, at this moment, he's doing everything that he says on the tin. He's doing everything right. He's a consummate pro. He's, like I say, he's never late. He likes to work, he likes to be in the gym. So at the moment, everything's right. Um, you know, time will tell. I think, I think we've got one, and um, I think Frank does as well. And like I say, you know the rest of the team are all, everyone's happy
5: with him. You know, but we've got to keep our feet on the ground. What can you tell us about him? Because he's very poker-faced, He doesn't give a lot away. What can you tell us about him that we don't see? No, what you see is what you get. Oh, really? He is like he that? He really Very is. Very serious, he's never messes around, not a joker. No, actually, we have a little bit of a laugh, you know, but Dan will laugh at something that,
10: you know, I can't really sort of give you a for instance, but, you know, he's, he's always got a smile on his face. He's never, he's never down, but he's just, he's focused and he's driven. He's got one goal in life at the moment, and that is to be heavyweight champion in the world. And how but are your risks? But how are your risks with... No, mine, mine are good. Well, yeah well, there but there he are. punches it's very the rest of me that <laughs> yeah.
5: but he punches very very hard doesn't he he does but unfortunately um, he ain't looking to hurt me well, <laughs> I hope he ain't hand on heart though mm-hmm. and I know you don't like to be pushed on these things we are in the middle or just after the middle of 2019 do you think we've got a world champion in 2021 at heavyweight in Daniel Dubois <laughs>
10: Obviously, I'd like to think so. I mean, that's why we're working this hard, and, you know, Daniel's putting the work in. Frank, BT, yourselves, everyone can see we've got something here. But again, we've got to take our time. We've got to be careful that we don't undermatch him or overmatch him because both can do him harm. And um, I think if, if we take our time, let him mature into the young man that he's going to be. I think, as you said earlier, that he's um, beginning to come out of himself a little bit more, you know we've got a great little journey here and we could have some real great memorable moments for, for everyone following him and, you know, hopefully some really good nights out.
5: So you could, if you put him in at the moment, I mean, I say Derek Chisora, but after Derek Chisora's last performance um, against Artur Spilko, he looks bloody dangerous. Well, you know?
10: when I say this, I don't mean this rude to Derek. Derek is, is a gatekeeper and he's he really is a worthy gatekeeper. I mean, we ain't knocking on that door yet.
5: He says it to me he's not a title contender anymore. He's a moneyweight fighter.
10: He's, well, <laughs> in, in my opinion, he's a gatekeeper. If you can get past Derek Cesaro, you're a very good fighter. And So you and, mean it in the best possible no, terms? No, I do mean it yeah, in the yeah, best possible yeah, terms. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. And yeah. Listen, we ain't knocking at Derek's door at the moment. We're not
5: at that level. It's 23 rounds with, uh, um, with Tyson Fury, 12 rounds of Vitaly Klitschko. Unbelievable. Do you know what I mean? Listen. 22 rounds or it was with with Dillian White Derek
10: will be one of them people that we won't appreciate until we retire Correct. and then
5: we'll all be going yeah.
10: oh we need a Derek Chisora we need yeah. a Derek Chisora yeah. so listen power to Derek that's all I can say power to Derek keep doing what you're doing great job we ain't knocking on those doors
5: but so, but timing's everything so if Daniel is 23 and Tyson Fury's 34 and Deontay Wilder's 34, 35 um, and and uh, Andy Ruiz is 33, and, and, and Anthony Joshua is getting to 34. That's probably the right timing, yeah?
10: It probably is, but there's still some other really good heavyweights at the moment. I mean, Filipovic, I think, is a yes. really top... top Filipovic, drop. yeah, yeah. However yeah. 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 I, I pronounced, name. I pronounced yeah. it wrong, sorry about
5: Adam Kownacki. Yep. Yeah. You know, and there's others out there. There's Dillian White. There's, I mean, he, he's a great challenge as well. Dillian
10: White's another, another homegrown, really good fighter who, over the last few years, has really improved and, and you know... And he's beginning to be, even though he's just had that little hiccup, and I, I'm not going to comment on that because I don't know all the ins and outs on that. He's had a little hiccup, but he's still a people's champion because, you know, don't matter what belt he was to fight for, even if he didn't fight for a belt, people would still turn out to see him because, you know, the British public are warming, warming to him. And, and I think the British public always do when someone's had a hard run, we seem to, or a, a bit of an
5: underdog, we always, we always go for him. Can't wait to see that event, Martin. Uh, September 27th, Royal Albert Hall, against Ebenezer Tete. Daniel Dubois facing him. Always great to come here, and I love the fact that the cup of tea I always get here at the Peacock Gym, <laughs> I can stand my spoon up in it. Yeah. Proper builder's cup of tea.
0: That's <laughs> it.
5: Welcome back to Fight Night on Sports. I'm Gareth a. Davis. Next, we catch up with Don McGuinness up in Leeds. He's talking to Josh Warrington ahead of his announcement that he'll be back in action and defending the IBF World Featherweight title in October.
8: Well, Josh, it's been a couple of months now since you you were out in action against, uh, obviously, Kid Galahad. What have you been up to and kind of how have you summoned, um, if
0: you like? Keeping busy. Um, just as just a... As, uh, being a dad, being an husband, painting sheds, uh, had a nice lot of breakaway, um, keeping busy in that respect, um, then been a lot of chat at work, a bit of uh, you know, media, TV, media and whatnot, questioning sport, things like that, um, and obviously waiting for news on the next one, um, obviously disappointed that we couldn't have got the unification fight, but got to keep busy, got to keep active, got to keep getting them notches and defences on, on the belt, and uh, my third defence, you know, in, 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 in how long of being a champion, um, and there we are, go again. You do have the date in the diary, not the one you wanted. You,
8: you said, but what are you like when you don't have that date in the diary? Yeah, you busy yourself over the summer, but how do you deal with
0: that? Ah, it's frustrating, isn't it? You know, um, I realise it's a short career, and as as the months tick by, you know, it's it's ticking off your of your career. And uh, while you've got momentum in your stride, you want to be carrying that and. There's been times in my career when I've had a long time out. It's not good. I'd rather just be on a constant, you know, um, fighting regularly. You know, If I could have been my own way, I'd be fighting three or four times a year, but um, obviously it's not always like that. Logistics and sorting out dates and selling shows and whatnot. But, um, yeah, we uh, we'll go again. Like I say, it's got to be keeping busy. Um, and even if it's not the fight you want, still gotta you know defend that belt. I'm not one of them champions. I'm just gonna sit there. Um, you know, as a champion on sidelines, yeah, I'm a champion, but I'm not fighting like Gary Russell Jr. does. I'd rather be out. And certainly after the last one, I didn't even feel like I would have a fight. I wasn't even gonna work I didn't even get sweat on. So go again, and want to bring a good performance
8: said in the press conference that, you know, the, the Russell fight, the Santa Cruz fight, that they were, you know, obviously those out for those fights and nobody wanted to know. I mean, how yeah. close were they? How close were they, re- really, as far as you're aware?
0: I mean, was it simple no from the start? More or less, yeah. I mean, I went away um, with an email from my manager, Steve Wood, and he said, good knows, we're you not know, progressions going forward in the next minute. You know, it's um, it's an no, on no, no from everybody. Um... And then you know, I even seen like Richard Chafford who was one of uh, Aleman slash Silva Santa Cruz advisers over here, and uh, he was backing up everything that they don't want the fight, you know. And the way that they turn it down is by having you peanuts and asking for ridiculous amounts of money. Um, and, and like Oscar Valdez, you know, his manager took to Twitter, and I'm not one to go on the social media and start calling fuck out. It's just not my, it's not my game. It's not what I've ever done. But, you know, I even had to reply to one of his manager's comments that wanted to fight Carl Frampton and Josh Warrington. I'm here. I'm here and waiting. I'm desperate for the big fights. I don't want to be in big fights. You know, I don't want to string out defence after defence after defence. But if that's what you've got to do, that's what you've got to do. When you know, if, if the fights can't be made, then they give, either give up the belts and they become, become available or they get beat by someone else and, and it moves on.
8: With Valdez? That would have been your dream fight, though. No, wait, him, him stepping up, though—that's—that's that's killed that. Then, as far as you yeah, he's so.
0: killed that. And I think uh, Santa Cruz would have been the dream one to be honest with you, Santa Cruz, because he's—I kept on talking about being the Ring Magazine champion, and that's what would have mm-hmm. effectively come of it. Styles, um, though. Yeah, 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 yeah. He's uh, already, is, isn't he? You know, and then the one with Valdez—that like, just been a bombstormer. <laughs> you know, I, I can just see it now, toe-to-toe going alpha leather. But like I say, I want to be. We move on and I've, I've, I can't get myself down, I've already had a bit of a sulk on that. I've just got to stay focused on winning now. I think in the last fight I put too much pressure on myself and I've got to win because it's going to be a unified uh, fight after this. Now I've just got to focus on every fight as it comes, and that's it. And whatever happens after, happens. You mentioned
8: that about you can't sort too long or get to stay too down, but it's very, very tough. I mean yeah, toughian is not the fight you want to fight, no, and you know that it's a no-win for you in so yeah. many ways. Yeah. So how do you
0: mentally, because you mentioned that word, how do you deal with it, really? You just got to, I'm a champion, and I've, I've got to defend my title, and I can't... Um, you know, going to the gym half assed. You know, I can't I can't take that attitude, I can't take that mentality. You know, when you look at other champions who've retired since, someone like Joe Calzaghi, people remember him reigning for over eleven years. I don't remember every single fight he boxed. Like I say, if I could have it my own way, um, I would fight champion after champion after champion, but boxing does not always work like that. Mm. So, you know, I've just gotta realize that I'm a champion here. That's my belt. It's going to be a for of folk wanting to, wanting to try beat me and champion's mentality and just keep up with the belt. That situation didn't do Ricky Hatton
8: any harm either, did it? No, because it didn't. he had fight it didn't. Fight, it didn't. fight, exactly his, as you, would, uh, have you described.
0: And his experience at this top level as well, you know. I mean, I'm 29 fights down my Perfect. 10 years, bro, but it always improving. And uh, this opportunity to try different things, um, perform a little bit different, show things a little bit differently. So... Yeah, but obviously
8: with it, it being back in Leeds. I mean, when we spoke last time, obviously before Galahad, and then obviously at the fight you were at Gorman Dubois. But Vegas was still the plan, and all this business yeah. so, uh, again, not quite how you panned out. But I suppose
0: it's never a hardship for you to fight here, is it? No, I mean it's it's, it's fantastic. If anything, it's like a, I don't want to string the fans along too much, you know. So I'm not going to go on talking about it. it's going to be next one. I've just got to. Uh, Hopefully, they come out and support me like they do. Last time I was fantastic, and I think a lot of people probably thought it was last time we were going to be there. But... Touch on a couple of quick things, uh, a couple
8: of Northern Irish chaps actually in, in my head. I mean, Michael Conlan, of course, at yeah. the weekend, we uh, yeah. saw what, what he said in terms of talking about you and titles, and he cleared up at the presser. In terms, and your dad as well, had plenty of to say in terms of he's not ready for you yet. Again, yeah. that's pretty much the way you see it. Yeah. He's down
0: the line, maybe. Yeah, yeah, mate, down the line there. And potentially that could be a massive fight. You know, he's, um, he's only booked for one title this far and I, I think that's probably his only 12 rounders, So, yeah, it's a, it's a fight down the line, but like I keep on saying, I'm desperate for one of the big ones. So I'd, I'd rather take a fight with one of the champions rather than him at this moment in time. And to be honest with you, I think... They'd rather have it like that as well. They'd rather have it a little bit down the line rather than jumping into it straight away.
8: Just a, a final point, obviously your old adversary, Carl Frampton, it's been a, a horrible week yeah, for him. Yeah. Terribly frustrating obviously with the injury. Yeah. And again it's kind of thrown things in the air a little bit for yourself indirectly as well, hasn't yeah. it? Yeah, What's yeah, your I mean, reaction to
0: what happened and everything else? Yeah, well I am gutted for him because I, I would like to see Carl go on and Patish the win a world title again. Unification fight with him. A rematch, it would have been absolutely fantastic, but yeah, frustrating. And I've been there myself when you get so far through a camp and, and the first stop, and it's, it's heartbreaking. Um, hopefully, you can just recover.
5: Through our intrepid reporter Don McGuinness, who is up in Leeds with the father of Josh Warrington, Sean O'Hagan. Here's what he had to say.
8: Well, Sean, press conference done, but uh, it isn't the fight I think that yourself or Josh wanted, but you, you're going to deal with it. Is that the way the attitude?
4: Yeah, absolutely. We've got to, do, haven't we? I mean, uh, we don't always get what we want in life, do we? But I'm not disappointed. He's a very, very durable opponent. Um, and he's coming to fight, he's the highest ranks available fighter. He's come along, grabbed it with both hands, where three champions have turned it down. So, you know, he's got something about him. He's, he's no mug, he's very, very experienced, 35 fights. He's only dropped two or three. I think a couple of them were suspects. He's never been stopped. So he's had 30, uh, 32 wins there. There's a lot of wins, more than we've had fights.
8: How is the dynamic with yourselves? Obviously, as your your lad as well, as you know, you training. him. Mean, in terms of when, when it is frustrating, when you are trying to keep a, a lid on things, maybe get his frustrations out of the system, I mean, what's it like between the pair of you? Just in general. <laughs>
4: yeah, just first, in general. First,
8: first, yeah, in general.
4: In general, yeah, he's all right. I mean, I don't see a lot of him away from the gym, to be honest. When I've had enough of him, I just go out, go away. You know what I mean? If I'm sick of seeing him. I don't go to the gym, somebody else will go. Oh, no. Uh, no, we're all right. We, we do all right, you know, to be honest. We have a good a good repertoire. We've mastered that uh, important little bit of separating family from, from business.
8: So how hard is that though? We've seen it through time then it, it's not always easy, is it father and son <coughs> training combos and it's it's difficult.
4: not difficult. Uh, no, no, no. It can be it can be difficult at times, it can be testing, you know what I mean, because I think he's a little bit same as me as well, As he can be a little bit headstrong? Well, you've got two personalities that are similar. The clash—you're always going to clash. You're always hmm. going to test each other. Young pup in here, young pup trying to test me. But, uh, no, we do all right. To be honest, we have our arguments. And then what we do is we say, "Listen, we're not going anywhere doing this. Let's just have a couple of days about which we're doing, then we come back refreshed and don't talk about it."
8: Yeah, you've got it a team around you as well that can step in, maybe as you say, and, and maybe yeah. take, take care of things if, if you're falling out too much, you two.
4: Yeah, yeah, we've got a team now that we. Um, if we're getting a little bit over-familiar, I, like to, I don't like to say falling out, so we don't fall out as such. If we're getting a little bit over-familiar, then what we do is uh, these other people can step in, you know. So that's all whole idea of having a team, so that it stops these things happening, you know. But yeah, we, we do all that.
8: No, the pair, you're pure Leeds. I think it's fair, fair enough yeah. to say that. And uh, with it being in Leeds again, this fight, I know that there was talk of Vegas and all the rest of it. Yeah. When I asked you actually pre-Galahad about Vegas, you said you'd you'd fight in a car park, you couldn't care less as long as the money was right. You weren't getting giddy about Vegas anyway. You weren't getting no. giddy about that. You quite happy in a way then, you are staying in Leeds? We've got us own
4: a little bit of Las Vegas up north, don't we? Half a mile away from here. Beautiful, the beautiful city of Leeds, as Thomas Taylor says. Yeah, no. I'm not bothered. Like I say, those fights will come. They'll come. you know what? If they don't come, then when we finish boxing, we'll go on holiday it to Vegas. One way or the other, we'll go. But uh, Vegas is not be all and end all, is it? Do
8: you, you think know? it's good for Leeds in a way, though, because it puts the, the, the highlight on Leeds in terms of boxing as well? Because I suppose you've been overshadowed over the years yeah. with Manchester and Sheffield. I know that you felt like that before, that people don't want to come to Leeds. Has that oh, changed yeah. a little bit?
4: Yeah, it has. It, it has, yeah, because what you're getting now is... Uh, you're getting a, a massive boost in boxing now in amateur clubs, pros, you know. He's buzzing, Leeds is buzzing now. What we need to do even when Josh has finished boxing in maybe three years, four years, I don't know, is um, we need to keep that momentum going because it's some fantastic nights and revenue for City and what it does, you know, for, for kids and uh, people aspire to be like him now, for Leeds first ever world champion. It can only be good it? really.